Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. God's people all over the world hear these words every year as we receive the mark of ashes in the shape of a cross on our forehead. It's a reminder that our bodies are dying and will one day decay. It's a sign of our preparation for death by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. A sign that points us to look at where we are putting our hopes. Where are we investing our time and energy? Is what we do going to last? Does it matter? Or is it just dust returning to dust? In the passage we read from Matthew today, Jesus is in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. Now, both Matthew and Luke record uh, this Sermon on the Mount as a typical sermon or, or teaching that Jesus gave when he was traveling around Israel. So in this typical sermon, Jesus begins with the Beatitudes, uh, in which Jesus lays out the value system of the kingdom of God as it differs from the value system of our world. Here's what the Beatitudes, or or the blessings, uh, boil down to. Many of the things that will get you ahead in your career, or in this world, in our society, many of the things that are blessed by our world, have no high standing in the kingdom of God. The people that God calls blessed, the poor in spirit, the meek, the pure in heart, the mourners, they are not people the world would call winners. So instead of being a merit-based system of achievement, like those systems that are set up by our world and its values, God's kingdom is a kingdom based on grace. Next, Jesus restates the mission of God's people. In Exodus 19, God tells the people of Israel that they are to be a kingdom of priests. In other words, they'll serve him and they'll mediate between him and the rest of the world, the rest of humanity. They'll represent God to the world. Jesus tells the people gathered, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth and warns them to keep their savor, their saltiness, to let their light shine so that others may glorify the Father in heaven for their good works. Then Jesus follows the pattern in Exodus by giving commentary on the law. So Exodus gives the mission statement of God's people, and then it lays out the guide for how they can live into their identity as people who have been saved by grace. That's the law the guide for how to live into their identity. And Jesus affirms the law, and he gives us a clue to its aim, its purpose. The law is not about behavior modification. It's not about getting a tune-up from like 95 to 100%. The law is heart surgery. It's a signpost that shows us our deep need for grace and the grace and blessing that Jesus promises in the Beatitudes, those blessings. The law was a call to repentance, and it was a signpost for the people of Israel that pointed to their deep need of grace and atonement, their deep need for that Passover lamb, a need that Jesus fulfills once for all upon the cross. So when we read the section of his teaching in Matthew 6, that same purpose is on view. This is is a heart check 
that again calls us back to the way he started his sermon. Are we pursuing a life of faith in God for the sake of knowing him and proclaiming him to the world? For the benefit of being with him for all eternity? Or are we pursuing a life of faith in God for short-term benefits? Who are people glorifying when they see our good works? Are they glorifying the Father who has redeemed us through his Son? Or are they glorifying the people of Redeemer for being fine people? Now again, it's important that we note that this sermon, is, this, all, this is all about in-house behavior. So if you are one of God's people, Jesus expects that you are giving to the poor, that you're praying, that you're fasting. And I wonder today, and I've been wondering for a while, when it comes to Redeemer, is this a, an accurate assumption? Are we doing these things? I've got to confess, and again, this is something that God has spoken to me as I've prepared. I'm an outrage addict. What does that mean? A lot of my week I spend reading the news or listening to the news, scrolling through my Facebook news feed, and I get really upset about all the injustice in the world, all the problems in the North American church and our nation, and about how angry and unloving I see other people being in the comment sections on you know, all these articles. And once I've had as much of that as I can take, I spend a whole lot of time trying to think my way to a solution to the problems, and I get nowhere. Then when I can't think my way to a solution to the problems that have plagued humanity for thousands of years, I try not to think about it. I distract myself. Because how could I ever contribute to any kind of solution in a meaningful way or a recognizable way? Am I alone in feeling this way sometimes? Am I the only outrage addict here? Okay. Until last week, I hadn't truly fasted in two years. Imagine if I, if we spent half the time and energy we spend getting upset about things we read online or hear on the news, imagine if we spent half the energy and time fasting and bringing all these issues, all this evil in the world that we see to the Lord. What would it look like for us to fast and mourn for our involvement in the corporate sins of our society? What would it look like for us to give sacrificially to those who need it most or give our time sacrificially to what God is doing in this church or in this city and around the world? What would it look like if we as a church fasted and prayed in response to the evil we see in the world? As I said, Jesus expects that we're doing these things. What he's talking about in in the passage we read is the motivation for them. Where's our heart in all these works and these acts of devotion? When you come to a farm work day, are you okay if your picture doesn't end up on Instagram the next day? When you give your time and energy to help your neighbors, are you okay if they don't say thank you or send you a thank you note? Are you okay if you don't feel fulfilled by that experience of helping them? When you give up certain foods or or do a complete fast, where's your heart? When you give up meat or carbs, are, are you okay if you don't lose weight? When you go on a diet, are you okay if people don't know how much you're suffering? 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Today, as we all hear these words spoken over us, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. We get to remember the purpose of these devotional acts. Are these, are these good acts? Yes. Does God expect them from his people? Absolutely. But if we get any of the glory instead of him, that glory will turn to dust with us. If we give the Father all glory and point to him, he will reward us with everlasting rewards. Because look at the purpose of all these acts of devotion. In giving to the poor, are we not getting close to the Father's heart who gave up all the riches of heaven to save us poor creations? In praying, aren't we speaking to and listening to the God of the universe who loves us more than we could possibly imagine, more than anyone else could? And when we fast, aren't we teaching our bodies, our minds, and our spirits that we depend on God alone to uphold us? This is what Jesus desires for his people. He wants us to want him more than we want likes on social media, more than we want progress at the gym or the body that, you know, the, the culture values in a given week. Uh, more than we, he wants us to want him more than we want the acclaim or the respect of our heroes or the heroes of the world, the trendsetters. Because he knows all those things are dust and to dust they will return. But his love is forever. His joy is forever. And if we put our hearts and treasure with him now, we will have a greater capacity to hold and enjoy his limitless love for all of eternity. So here's the hard truth in all this. Even among Christians, even at this church, but certainly among folks who don't believe what we do, you're not going to get any praise or fame for spending time in prayer each day or for modeling a prayer life for your family. You will not get any pats on the back for giving anonymously or for giving to folks who uh, don't know how to say thank you. You may actually lose progress in your workout goals if you fast, or you may get weird looks from people at work who find out you're not eating one day. You're not going to get any praise or fame for spending time reading God's Word each day. And you will certainly not get any applause for coming forward week after week to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Holy Communion. But my friends, these are the activities, these are the acts that will give us life and intimacy with God now. And that they will prepare us for an eternity of intimacy with him. These are the hidden activities, the secret activities unappreciated by the eyes of this world that makes space and time for us to know God. And in knowing God and abiding in Christ, our acts of devotion will be to his glory. So this Lent, we invite you, seek the Father's glory with your fasting, with your almsgiving, with your prayers. We invite you in your community groups, in your, in your families, with your roommates and your friends. Let's do a heart check together. Use the questions in this guide. I hope you got one when you walked in. Use the questions in that booklet to test your motivation for what you're doing. 
and to challenge one another to pursue time with the Father, to abide in Christ when it doesn't get you points with people? Is your daily routine aiding your life in Christ? Is your Lenten fast or your Lenten discipline enhancing your relationship with Christ? Are you getting to know him better in prayer and in his word? This Lent, may we take steps to store up treasure for ourselves in heaven where no one can steal or destroy the love and joy of our good Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.